Hello, dudes, dudettes, duders, and everyone in between. Welcome to Hollywood, the Hollywood Fishbowl. Mr. Sir Hollywood Fishbowl to you, you sniveling worm. Don't hang up. I'm, I didn't mean it. You're not a sniveling worm. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining and listening. It's great to have you on board as we continue our deep dive, deep dive, nah, semi-deep dive, our moderate dive into the world of improv comedy. This is episode number two in a series of four and today we are talking to not the one not the only but definitely the illustrious Carl Tart and you will find out what that little jokey joke was about as you listen to the episode it's a good one I dare say it's even a doozy if you will and because of that I would rather you not hear my voice so you should enjoy this episode and as you're enjoying it don't be afraid to click on the iTunes five-star review leave us a couple of kind words because we appreciate that so very much. It helps with our ranking. It helps keep the show growing and glowing. It keeps it surviving and thriving. It keeps it living and giving. I don't have a third one in me right now. If one comes to me, you will hear it before I say that I'm done talking and that uh, without further ado, I give to you, Mr. Tart, Carl. Drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo, and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. My name is Jesse, and I am your host. Today, we are joined by the one, the only, the illustrious... Carl Tart. Welcome to the program, Carl. Thank you so much for coming on. It's, Thanks it's for having a, me. Real, it's a, can I be honest for a minute? Yeah. It's an honor to have you. It oh really is. Oh my gosh, thank you. It's so cool to, to have you in this in this kitchen. I have to correct you all one thing. Okay. I'm not the one, the only Carl Tart. How many are there? I got a shout out to my brother. Carl Tart Jr. And a shout out to my dad, Carl Tart Sr. And Morpheus is done fighting Neos. And these are all actual relations or just people? Real people. Yeah. They, okay. Well, are they all illustrious? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Good guys. I, Good guys. Then I step down from one of the many, <laughs> not certainly the only, but also illustrious. <laughs> Carl Tart. Beautiful. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. And what we're, what we're doing today is uh, improv comedy, mm-hmm. which is kind of where is that the only place you shine or do you feel more like a writer or uh that's how i I know you you don't really write publicly no i don't uh every thursday at ucb yeah no (laughs) i don't know um yeah okay i i guess i i shine i hope i shine in more places than improv but where do you feel like you shine frame yourself for me where do you let me ask you okay where do you feel like you shine so i know where how to answer this question um i feel like i shine talking to people on microphones and apparently uh i'm not doing so hot so far you're doing great so far uh (laughs) hope i pick it up we are having a great conversation uh I guess I, you're right. I guess I do shine on stage. I really okay. enjoy that. I really have a great time doing that. I've seen you. Well, before we get into all that, what we do at the top is something we call five and five, where I'm going to ask you five questions and you have one minute to answer each question. Okay. This is for our Instagrams and our feeds and our shares and everything, but it's also Sweet. to get to know you at the top and kind of burn through some of the basic questions so we can go a little bit deeper for the rest of the show. Awesome. Does that all sound good to you? Sounds great. Okay. And we are going to have little beeps so you'll know when your minute is up. Are you ready to go? Ready to go. Here we go. Question number one. (laughs) 
Where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood? I grew up in Los Angeles, California. Born in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Stayed there until I was about nine years old. Grew up here in Los Angeles, California. That informed my, uh, you say informed my comedy? Or your adulthood. Informed my adulthood just by learning real street smarts outside of Mississippi. But also still having those Southern values that I think shape really well. In a place like this, are you rural Mississippi or city? City, uh, half half of both. Very okay. small town, okay. But not okay. like we got computers there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Any street smarts you learned from Mississippi that you had to bring here, or is it all LA that you start? Uh, I think the street smarts in Mississippi is just being kind to everybody. Okay, and like always treating everybody how you want to be treated. Okay, I think that's the best way to do. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, and we're right in a minute, so we'll leave it there. <laughs> The clock ticking down. Here we go. Number two. Question number two. What is the book, the movie, the album that, that is must engage media that betrays the human DNA that exposed the universe to your brain? Um, I would say the uh, Seth MacFarlane's cavalcade of cartoon comedy. That's a really interesting poll. Why that one? I just think that is one of the funniest things ever. Like I really love Seth MacFarlane's work as far as com- yeah, as yeah, far yeah. as uh, animation goes. Um, and this is an on the spot question, but I'm just thinking about what's the thing that makes me the most happy a lot of times. And a lot of people would look at that and say like, "That's insane that you think that that." <laughs> because there's a lot of dirty stuff, a lot of offensive stuff, a lot of. And I'm not saying that that shapes who I am because I don't think I always go for that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I just think the jokes are written so well in that thing. Also, uh, Martin Lawrence's "You So Crazy." Uh, Chris Rock's uh, Never Scared. Chris Rock's Bigger and Blacker. All right. That was a very interesting... First time. Like, people usually go a little more heady, but that was a good one. (laughs) Question number three is, is, what brings you the greatest joy in your life? Right now, uh, friends. I I say I I really enjoy spending time with my friends, laughing, having a good time, having deep conversations, feeling supported, being supported supporting them mm-hmm. uh and uh just kind of being around like-minded people who who like similar things to me and my family too of course my mother and my little brother in college uh i just gave him a car oh that's so, sweet like, though um it brings me joy when he calls me and asks me for gas money Aww. even though because i i like he knows i'm gonna give it to him even though i lecture him mm-hmm. he's 10 years younger than me when you're talking about friends, are you talking later in life friends or childhood friends? Like, are you with a new group of people? I'm, I guess I'm with a new group of people now. All my comedy friends, uh, I still, uh, me and my childhood friends definitely still get together and, and ran rave. Love to know more, but w- we don't have time. <laughs> you're, you're doing fine. Great. Question four, what gets under your skin? Uh, what gets under my skin is, is people who uh, feel entitled. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, entitlement to me is, is and, and this is this is something recently that I've just been experiences and stuff in in life. I think uh, people who feel like you owe them something, mm-hmm. and all you owe people is is human decency and kindness. Yep. And uh, other than that, like you don't owe people anything, and that goes for anybody and everybody. Um, I think entitlement. I think some people get caught up in this, like. I should have this and I should have this and I deserve this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's a, a thing that people should act like. 
Not yeah. a way that people should act. We're born naked, we die naked. Nothing yeah. else is promised. Nothing else is that. promised. Yeah. I, now, if you, you I, I, that doesn't mean that some people aren't buttholes about things, but I, I do. Oh, time's up. I'd love to hear more. <laughs> That's why we have a the rest of the show is yeah. to get into this a little more. And last question is a two parter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the best advice you've received, and what is the best reci- re- advice you can give? Uh, the best advice I have received, and it's one that I still need to practice, mm-hmm. is it's never about you. Don't take everything personally. It's never about you. Yep. yep I think yep. that's one of my biggest flaws as a human being that I, I think a lot of stuff is about me. I think, you know, if I see two people whispering and giggling in a corner, I, something in me makes me yep, go like, yep, why yeah. are they whispering and giggling about me? Yep. You know, and it, it hurts me. And I like, so, it, I, well, you know, you work on that in therapy and things like that. And the best advice that I could give somebody mm-hmm. is keep a job, no matter what that job may be. Always have money. Okay. <laughs> because, uh, Stress does not feed creativity, in my opinion. Let's slow things down a little bit. Let's get to know you on a more personal level. And we'll probably come back to some of those things that you mentioned throughout the course of this conversation. The first one, are you in, do you talk to a shrink? Do you have a therapist? Yeah. Uh, I mean, not currently, but I have for a while. When did that happen? When Um, did that start? That started about two years ago Mm -hmm. when I had went through some traumatic stuff. And as far as like... It, it actually wasn't uh, the most traumatic thing in the world that like would make people go, you know, I don't want to say crazy, but yeah. I'm going to say it anyway, go crazy. Like it, it just, it, it just like, it was, it was that kind of put the cherry on top of the stuff that I felt like I had been dealing with my whole life. Is and, there, we don't have to talk specifics or anything, mm-hmm. but is, can you give us any frame of, yeah, it was, it was honestly, some relationships. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, like dating stuff that, um, like I, like I said to you, like one of the, the virtues that I kind of live by personally, and I don't always like talk about cause I'm not looking for accolades for it, but I try to treat everybody how I want to be treated. And, uh, when you feel like you're doing that and people are, you know, feel entitled to you mm-hmm. or something like that. I, that was the entitlement thing too. It's like what it gets under my skin. It kind of, both of those things kind of devolved from like relationship things yep. I had dealt with of like, you know, that's something that really struck me early on in interacting with you was from the first moment we interacted, I kept thinking like, why is this guy treating me like I'd want to be treated? Like yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you've got your own life going on yeah. and you were very generous. You, you were kind of just be, make time for me at the, whatever that the bourgeois pig, I guess it yeah. is when we were chatting for a little minute and then to yeah. come on here I, uh, time and again, I was thinking like, what's, what's his deal? Why? Well, you were kind to me. So well, like, it ain't like, it ain't no reason for me not to be kind. Yeah. And relationship stuff, I don't like that. Yeah, that gets what could possibly mess you up more than than giving yourself to someone else. Like what could what could put you in a more vulnerable position or leave you open to needing help from someone else to come back from from that type of pain? Yeah. And it it was more of the pain of like I chose to uh, end things with people mm -hmm. and the way that they reacted to that. And it was just like, I know that I'm not. Like, I didn't mistreat you, but you're, you're making it out to be as if I did in certain situations. And I go like, I, like I can admit when I do something wrong and was mm-hmm. I perfect in relationships? No. Could I have been more emotionally available? Sure. Could I have been a better communicator? Sure. Absolutely. Young guy, you know, yeah, growing yeah. up in a patriarchal society that I'm not taught to do everything, you know, but I also know that 
like when it came down to human decency and kindness and respect, mm-hmm. I always had that. And to to be accused of not doing that and to maybe hear your name and negative conversations around your community and stuff like that. It, it hurt me. So I was just like, yeah. what is going on? Why do I care about this so much? I need to talk to somebody as to why do I care about this so much? And now that that's an interesting way to put it. Cause caring less is not the solution. It's like that. Don't yeah. work harder, work smarter. Yeah. adage. Like, yeah. Don't care less, just care more carefully. Yeah. Care more carefully. Yeah, absolutely. Like, cause when you care less, you start to mistreat people. Yeah. So, and I knew I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And so I was just like, how do I avoid situations like this? What is going on with me? And, I, you know, when you start seeing a pattern in, in, in anything really, but especially in dating and relationships yeah. and stuff, when you start seeing a pattern in, in certain, uh, like ways that like the, the type of people you're dating, the like stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, this, I have to think about me yeah. for a second. I have to realize what's going on with me. Now, as you dig into those patterns, do you feel like they're more reflective of what you learned from the generation above you, or are they more reflective of the environment of Los Angeles, which is a, a pretty intense culture, and is particularly for romantic entanglement, it's a, it's a different town to, to fall in love in than most towns. It is. It is. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how that is, because you know, uh, I definitely uh, don't always accept L.A. slander. I feel like there are people not slander. Yeah. it's just different it's it a different, different culture and a yeah. different a different world of of romantic interaction that yeah. I've, I've seen other elsewhere yeah i think in in your specific small communities or whatever like me in being in the improv community that's pretty mm-hmm. in to, to for lack of a better word incestuous when it comes to dating yeah that's what you i know. wonder about is how yeah. much how how much do y'all get outside of the community and how much do y'all stay inside the community all the a lot of people stay inside the community until okay. they until they realize like i can't do this anymore yeah like, yeah yeah you you want to like the dream of, to would be to find somebody who is in the same field as me but i also have why to, is that the dream though like why it just that... seems cool okay like it seems like you know like Shaq dating Lisa Leslie, you want to see it, like because yeah, yeah, yeah. you feel like their kid is going to be the best basketball player of yeah. all time, or something like that. LeBron James dating Candace Parker, yep, yep, Jacob like, Pinkett and Will Smith, yeah, yeah, creating a generation of actors, mm-hmm. yep, and their kids are amazing, yeah. So, well, I don't know if I tell. You don't like their kids? I, think I they're don't cool. just like them. I, I, I have trouble contending with them because they don't exist of this earth. Like everything I knew growing up, they didn't know. Yeah. And everything they know, I didn't know. So I don't have any any way that I can look at them and be like, ah, here's the measurement where we link up. Yeah. They're aliens to me, and I'm aliens to them. I, I get that. I get that. I feel like I part of me wants to believe that. Uh, Will Will and Jada still keep them sort of grounded because they yeah. both grew up in grounded situations. Yeah, yeah. I hope. I hope too. Yeah. What's What's the deal with all the Carls? Why is that such a popular name in your family? Is that legacy or just whim? Uh, I think my dad just wanted to have juniors. Wanted to have okay. he had boys. I was his first boy, and they're all juniors. Or are uh, no, I'm a second. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, Why? Even though I'm oldest. Yeah. Yeah. So then the second one is the junior. Yeah. He what happened if you had a third boy? The deuce? Uh, the, the tray. Okay. Yeah. I'm the deuce. Okay. Uh, and we all have different middle names. And okay. My middle brother is the same middle name as my dad. It's not a bad name. Like it works on the marquee really well. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up definitely, you know, feeling the negative effects of having really? a weird name. Yeah. Wait, he wasn't like a teacher at your school or something where you have really had to feel it daily. No. Teachers okay. at my school, honestly, 
always thought it was cool. Okay, I just be, worried like if your dad is the teacher and he's Carl Tart and you're Carl Tart and then there's another Carl Tart, oh, and that's nah. when it gets out of control. <laughs> nah, my dad was an NFL player. Really? And then, uh, and then a postal worker. Okay. Yeah. How did that, how, this, we'll talk to him some other time. If this interview goes well, maybe we can talk him <laughs> into hooking us up. Yeah. So at nine years old, you get to LA, is that? Yeah. And what, what, what town are you landing in? Uh, when we first moved here, we're in, uh, the Crenshaw district, Bowen Hills, Crenshaw okay. area. And we stayed there for a couple of years and then. Moved. Are you feeling out of place there? Or do you settle in pretty quick? I'm feeling out of place because a, those kids are growing up in poverty Mm -hmm. And they have a different outlook on life that I didn't have coming from small town, Mississippi, being raised by a loving grandmother, a loving mom, a loving family of aunts and cousins and, you know, just, you know, big Christmases every year and big birthdays. What year is this? 1998. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, and, and then I just come here and, you know, my mom's a struggling actor, so we have to live a little bit below what we're both used to yep, coming yep, up in, yep. a, in a, such a strong family. And uh, also my mom is scared to let me roam because yep, we're now course. in a city and yep. we're also in an area that's not great. And uh, I go to school with these kids, you know, that first year. And I just like, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen, you know, kids my age, you know, are real gang members, real, yeah. real gang members. Did you ever get close to that? Did you get a whiff of it or not yeah. really? Okay. Well, what was that? Um, that came, you know, throughout life, middle schoolish and, and stuff like that. I think one thing, uh, growing up with a single mom and, and especially a single mom who has to work a ton, mm-hmm. a single mom who, how long, when was she single fied? Was that early in your life? Do you remember the yeah, split? Or? Yeah. My, my parents were, had me at, at, at a teenage age. So, okay. They weren't, it wasn't like a, gonna be a strong relationship yeah yeah yeah. so my parents are young yep uh which i've enjoyed growing up being able to have parents who you can talk to about stuff but the split wasn't the cause for the move over to no 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 my mom has always wanted to be in hollywood okay okay so just just figured let's do it let's take a look and see what grows yeah and so i stayed back one year my mom moved out here a year before me to get Mm -hmm. her feet uh settled and I stayed back with my grandma and I would have stayed longer, but my grandma started to come down with Alzheimer's. Okay. And so is she still alive or she is not, she current, okay. she is no longer with us, but, uh, she was a super great woman and yeah. really strong. And I stayed back with her. And so she had like a nine year old, eight, seven, eight, nine year old when she was in her early sixties and stuff. And, uh, she took me to all my basketball, baseball games and basketball games and football games and picked me up and dropped me off of school every day and was like a full-time parent. Yep. In her retirement age. She retired the year I was born. <laughs> and like, uh, so sweet, though. Like, just looking at you smile, thinking about it. Is, oh, she's is, amazing. Is, is warming the cuckolds of my heart. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love and miss my grandma. But, uh, yeah, so we moved out here, and mm-hmm. it was just a, it was a culture shock for both me and my mom. And so we kind of supported each other through the whole thing. And uh, Does she end up getting jobs? Is she working eventually? Or is yeah, it struggling yeah, she was working. mostly? She okay. was working. She was working. Yeah. Uh, she got normal jobs. She also acted a lot. Like okay. in the 90s, uh, African-American TV shows were very popular. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot more work for black women at the time, which is has shortened tremendously since. Uh, which is very weird. Yeah, no, I thought we like, just had the huge boom of the Netflix, Hulu, everyone producing original stuff, and there would be a, a yeah. African-American side to all that. And there is, but it's very short. And also, my mom's older now, so it's okay. like it's harder for you know a middle-aged woman to get stuff. But like you know, she's still grinding out, and hopefully one day I can be able to you know put her in something. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. She's an accomplished actress, trained theater, trained and everything. 
Now, when do you start feeling like you want to be a part of the the theater or film world? Is I don't always there or no, you still don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't feel like I want to be a part of it until uh, I'm like 20. Okay. But I did it when I was a kid. What happens at 20? What's what's the change if you were doing it and not really digging it? When do you start digging it? Well, let's let's go back a little bit. So I when I first get out here. I start doing background acting and kid acting and going in auditions and stuff and booking little parts and people realize I have a knack of making funny faces and stuff you like anything that. Anything cool? Like anything that we can uh, look up and yeah, you can watch the, ads or something like that. <laughs> you sure. can watch the pilot of Six Feet Under. You're on that. I'm in the pilot. Of How old are you on that one? I think I was 11. Okay, that's a little yeah. bit ago that they were they were starting that one. Yeah, off. 2001. Okay, what are you doing in it? I mean, are you immediately recognizable or do we? You'll have to see get me. I'm, I'm, I'm like the very last image of the pilot. Awesome. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> look it up. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, you'll see me with a full head of hair. Okay, which has has now. <laughs> I don't know. You got the hat on, so I'm. It's, I constantly have hats on. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. I did it a little bit as a kid, but didn't like being around the other stage kids, mm-hmm. you know, like the other actor kids. They were just a little bit advanced from my liking. Like too catty or too professional? Or too what? professional. Really? It's yeah. <laughs> like I'd like, I just wanted to play Power Rangers and these kids were like, I got to call my agent. I got it. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Kid yeah. actors who really do it and really want to do and stuff. Yep. 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 But even back then, like, so I was a shy kid, uh, but I loved comedy. So I realized making people laugh was a way to kind of break me out of my shell. So when we first got out here and my mom knew that about me, she knew like he he makes people laugh like he's good at this. I want to try to not exploit it, but like I want to like get nurture into it, it. nurture yeah. it. And I was like, no, no, no. Also, I saw how me and my mom had to struggle, you know. Like she leaving her days open for auditioning and yep, yep, we're yep. running out of money. For just a chance at maybe getting something yeah. that you can do. The, yeah. the, the, the culture of auditioning really is kind of, I'm not an actor actor, but I look at it and think like, this must be uh, really not corrosive on the soul, but it really must wear you down that you're fighting daily for a chance to have somebody consider maybe thinking about yeah. putting you on the possible list yeah. someday. It sucks. It yeah. sucks. It sucks so much. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a, that was tough growing up. And I like vowed. I was like, I'll never do this. Like I never want to be a part of this. I want to be an athlete. And so mm-hmm. I started focusing on sports and stuff like that. But which is your, which is your favorite? Uh, my favorite to play is basketball. My Are favorite to, yeah. Okay. I'm, <laughs> Yeah, if, yeah. if if I'm the comparison, you're probably good. <laughs> I, I made it to the college level. Oh, okay, that's, yeah, that's level. good. Yeah. That's that's uh, good. It wasn't great, but yeah. I I can play. But that's legit. Like yeah. somebody signed off on you. Somebody signed point. off on me. Yeah. Um, and I just like really focused on that stuff and kept pushing forward and doing that and uh, but always had that comedy bug in me. Mm-hmm. Like I think my biggest like even playing sports, it was always about uh being a goofball and making my friends laugh on the court and, and being funny on the field. And like, just always kind of, we would travel on, I remember like us traveling and taking team trips and stuff. And, you know, I remember this instant, like, uh, pretty much like vividly, we Mm -hmm. went to Palm Springs and we met these girls and they came back to our hotel room and it was like, we weren't, they weren't supposed to be in there. And, 
we're all just kind of laughing and sitting around joking around and they were like well we're gonna go like and they didn't oh were they hoping for cool sports guys yeah not not goofballs well i was the only goofball i i'm the one that so you ruined it i didn't ruin it i was there like it was only like three of them and they were hanging out like three of our teammates we were all in the room yeah uh i remember they were like we're gonna go and our friends were like no 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 wait uh carl tell a story oh okay so so you saved it yeah i saved it excellent Did y'all get laid that night or not me? <laughs> <laughs> this is high school. You, you primed the pump for the others. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ding. <laughs> okay. No, I didn't mean it like that. I did not think you're a fluffer for heaven's sake. Uh, but yeah, so, no, we, uh, it was just stuff like that. I always kind of knew, and I always loved comedy so much. Like who were you guys growing up? Like, or gals or anywhere along the gender uh, spectrum? Martin Lawrence. Uh, yep. Okay. And he was really big influence. Mm-hmm. Chris Rock to an extent. Uh, Tracy Morgan on Martin Lawrence makes sense because I see a lot of characters like yeah. you're you're very character focused not that that's the only thing you do obviously but yeah. you got that that in you yeah no that's from Martin like love Martin everything yep. he did like his physicality the way he delivered jokes even when he was being himself on the show it was just like this dude is so funny everything he did so funny and then just like I think at the time me growing up like in the 90s mm-hmm. it was such a boom of black comedy at the time so you got like Def Jam on HBO yep and Comic View on BET and, and all of the Living sitcoms, Color was Living Color early on Fox, 90s. Yeah. Yep. All of the sitcoms on Martin Living Single, uh, other networks sitcoms that, that are, you know, like that African-American TV we were talking about, the UPNs of the yep, world, and yep, the yep. WBs and stuff. All that stuff was so influential and I yeah. just loved it so much. Like the Jamie Foxes and Wayne's Brothers and then like for the women, like there's comedians like Adele Givens mm-hmm. and Samore and Miss Laura and Monique and like... All Have you gotten to meet your heroes since you got, you got out here and did some climbing i have gotten to meet dave chappelle are you kidding what yeah. was that what was that story it was one of the best uh i was uh, a girl i was dating uh used to be an assistant to uh chris rock and okay uh she like dave was in town doing a very small show in uh eagle rock or mm-hmm. highland park and she was like, do you want to go to this? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to go. And after the show, we went, we got to go backstage and it was a really cool environment. Was he cool? I mean, did he hang he out was or was he just cool. like, he was very cool. And, and, and he bonded with me a little bit more. I mean, he was, he was definitely like in his element, like yeah. trying to hang out and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, he was fine with me being there, but he wasn't trying to like sit and chat with me yeah, yeah, yeah. while there are like people around to, you know, Zoe Kravitz was back there. Like, he's like, so he's definitely not trying to sit and chat with me. I was on set with Zoe for uh, one of those shows. I forget which one, but seeing her, it did take me aback. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the, her. That's the legit real deal to Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her parents to, to powerhouses. Yes. You know? like, that's Dave Chappelle is a weird algorithm because nobody has done less and had more like he had that the two seasons of the show and what three specials or something at this point in his whole career. Yeah. But the the specter of Chappelle looms so large over entertainment, over media, over television, yeah. over comedy. Because he's so good. Yeah. Like yeah. his his the way he thinks, the way he delivers material, what what he says, he's so good. Yeah. That I yeah. think that's what does it. And also his evolution and, yes. and how he's willing to That he walked away is a huge yeah, part of, of his legacy. Is. is that is that I, don't, I may not be using a term right, but is that a martyr? Is that like Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, he yes. No, I don't know. Maybe not, because all he was doing was not getting a whole lot of money. Like yeah. a martyr has to lose something tangible, not just give not just uh, the uh, theoretical something yeah. they don't have. Well everybody maybe. called him crazy. 
crazy and everybody, you know, and he wasn't. He had good ideas as to why he did what no, he did. No, we were, my wife and I were so relieved that he was doing self-care because it seems so rare that people do the the self-care in, yeah. in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. when there is millions hanging over their head and jobs of others hanging over their yeah. head. yeah. So anyway, but this is not about Chappelle. This yeah. is about you. But I got to meet him and then I bonded with him over the fact that his mother uh, taught at the college that I went to for a little bit. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to Wilberforce University in Ohio. Did you ever bump into her? Uh, she taught at the other campus. Okay. So like there's okay. Wilberforce University and there's Central State University. It's like they're two different schools, but they're virtually the same school. And so uh, he lived in, in Yellow Springs, Ohio, which was not too far from where that is. Okay. And so I told him, I said, hey man, I went to Wilberforce. And he was just like, oh shit. Like, it was like really cool, like to talk to him about that for a little bit. That was not a bad Dave Chappelle person. That was not bad at all. <laughs> Thank you. When does it, when do you start sniffing out the world of improv? Um, so I played basketball for a year mm-hmm. at that school. We all got cut cause we had a terrible season. Okay. Uh, I come back to LA. I'm doing, I'm still like 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the job thing, doing background acting, uh, also, like trying to figure out what's going to be that next step. Yep. What is it going to be like? And so I just, at that point, somebody told me like, what's been the most consistent thing in your life? Like, what have you always thought about, loved, like shown interest in? And I was like, honestly, it's been comedy, but I didn't want to take the leap into doing comedy because I didn't want people to judge me. Once again, it goes back to why do you care so much about what people think about you? Mm-hmm. It's never personal. And then I said, I didn't want my friends to look at me differently if I told them I was pursuing comedy. Meanwhile, all my friends my whole life have always thought I was funny. They've yeah. always thought I was the funniest guy. But I never wanted to say, like, I'm going to be a comedian. Because I never wanted them to think that I was putting on, that I wasn't genuinely being who I was. Like, That's like th- psychosis, what you just described. Yeah, is that the thing that you naturally do? You don't want people to think you're naturally you're not net. It's like you you are in your own head at that point. I was in my own head, absolutely. And it, it was because as soon as you say you could be funny forever, mm-hmm. everybody can. Like if you read my yearbook comments, like I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss how funny you were. I'm going to miss you being a one class clown. I did all that stuff, and then as soon as I say like I'm going to pursue. Comedy. Yeah. Everybody goes, oh, so you think you're funny now, huh? Yep, yep, because yep. comedy is one of those professions that everybody thinks they can do and everybody thinks that nobody else can do except for their favorites. They don't realize that Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and Ellen DeGeneres and all these people had to start one day. They just think they immediately just became these stars that we knew them as. And so like in their mind immediately and, and same with acting and yeah. music and everything. Like you could be a rapper and say, I'm going to be a rapper. Everybody goes, man, you ain't gonna never be as good as this person. It's like, well, how do you know? Yeah, I just started yeah, today. Yeah. So like, but it, I that's what, what I was nervous about was my friends being like, oh, you think you're funny? There is this is very legitimate. Is uh, working in background, you will hear at least once a day somebody say, well, actually, I'm a comedian, mm-hmm. and then they pause and wait for like the the hushed awe or something. Like there there is this kind of like pretentious. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a bit of a nightmare when when you hear. Yeah. It is. And I used to do background mm-hmm. and I was taking classes while I was doing. So background. then at the time you knew like the, that how annoying that is to hear somebody say like, well, actually yeah. I'm a comedian. Yeah. I, you know who I used to do background with? Who did this dude do? named Rick Glassman, who was on okay. a show called Undateable. You can Google him, check him out. He, he actually would annoy people on set, like doing jokes and talking about how he was doing stand up and stuff like that. And then he made it like he did. Yeah, yeah. He got on the show and 
something else I think about, and this is something I wanted to talk to you. I was, before these shows, I, before with these recordings, I try to think of like some kind of question that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do a lot of improv. Yeah. Um, when I'm at an improv show, there's a lot of laughter, but there's no real joke in the traditional sense. There's not like a setup punchline mm-hmm. or a premise twist, yeah. premise twist payoff or whatever you, whatever the algorithm is. What What is a joke? Is it just the thing that happens before the audience laughs or is there some, the not joke, a recipe, but like what, how do you frame a joke in your head? What, what how do are, I frame a joke in my head? The, the joke for me when I'm doing improv is the realist reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, so like in standup, you, your, your goal is to like twist something around and yeah. come up, like use your opinion as to make people laugh, you know? So like, but but in improv, it's like every scene, every comedy scene ever has a game to it. Mm-hmm. It's that thing's the first unusual thing that we find and how many times we that thing keeps coming up. Okay. So it is the game of the scene is what makes it funny. You know, it's hard to explain. Let me try to think of, of a, a TV show or something that we all know what the game well, of that scene is. I took my mother to see your recent bajillionaires show mm-hmm. and she came out really liking the, um, what was it? The reverse good cop, reverse bad cop bit. Oh a yeah. Lot. That was really like brilliant. And, yeah. and that might be an example That's of an how example. It, you stumbled on something and yeah. it kept a- escalating. So the game of that scene was, uh, when the, when the guy first came in, like he was kind of being a little bit hostile, but mm-hmm. wasn't doing anything crazy. And then Drew came in and was just like, Hey, calm down. Like you doing too much. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. And then whoever was sitting in the chair, I think it was uh, Mono was sitting in the chair and he was like, wait a minute, are you bad cop and slightly worse cop? Yeah. And kind of names it. And yeah. so then after that point, everybody else who comes in in order to play that game of that scene, we have to heighten that emotion. Yep. And yep. we have to like abuse that other cop and make them out to be like awful, somebody awful but abuse but, them in a wor- way that's worse than anything they've done so yes, far yes. and then take over and say that you're the most peaceful person yes and then like coddle the perp yeah you know, yep, like, yep, it's yep. okay it's okay we're here for you yeah like that person was a real piece of shit like yeah. you know and so like drew comes in and he yells at him and then i come in or no ryan comes in and yells at tim and then i come in and punch like Ryan's lights out yeah and then somebody comes in and shoots me in the head yeah and, I and then the, and the then. tank was next somebody came in with a, a tank and then there was a yeah. soul stealing <laughs> yeah. through the throat yeah sucking someone's soul it was good escalation no, you, you gotta heighten yeah so that I, heighten and explore I think that's what makes improv funny like it doesn't need to be a because honestly we get in trouble for being jokey because I'm a pretty like I told you like my favorite stuff is animation so yeah so yeah. I get pretty absurd and I like funny stuff and I'll come in and say something that People will think it's funny, but it might not be a service to the scene or something like that sometimes. Oh, okay. And so people will, like, the AD will get upset with me. So you're talking on, on shows or on Yeah, the, on shows. Okay. Yeah. What shows are you working on? Oh, wait. No, I'm talking about improv shows. Improv. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys have an AD? Uh, artistic director. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking assistant, like on set, how you have the director, oh, yeah. I first AD, I second AD. Clarified I don't know all the vocabulary of the... <laughs> yeah, I should have clarified that. So, artistic yeah. director. When you go for a joke, when you go for a laugh, instead of going for the community uh, scene pushing forward yeah. behavior, Which, you kind of get uh, a dinged for it a yeah, little bit? Yeah, I get bit. dinged for it a little bit. I, but I also, like, back when I was younger in the game, I definitely used to do that a lot more, like... I want to make this funny. I want to say something funny. But now when I do it, it's a genuine, like, I think I'm pushing the scene forward. Mm -hmm. And also I'm going to have a little fun and I'm going to try to throw off my scene partner or something like that. Do you get to hide behind the, if it gets a laugh, then it was the right thing to do? Or is that no uh, tacky? 
it it can be seen as tacky. Okay. Some people think it's tacky. The artistic director will think it's tacky. Okay. So your goal is not to get the laugh. It's to keep things moving forward. Yeah. And the laughs should come the organically. Game, the laughs will come. Yeah. Okay. The laughs will come through character choice. The laughs will come through next game move, through heightened, through exploration. And then in certain shows, like shows that aren't like the Heralds, which is a, a form-based thing. Yeah. Uh, in, sh- in shows like when I do ASCAT, which is just kind of a free-for-all, I can make those jokes. Okay. I can do that. And like I said, also in my later years, I've gotten better at uh, being at doing that, making those jokes, but also still pushing the scene forward. In your early days of improv comedy, when you're just starting to work with people, you, you aren't guaranteed to be partnered with the people you'll be doing your best work for over the longest period of time. Mm-hmm. How do you know if you're doing a good job not knowing that you might not have the best matches for you. Does that question make sense? It does, but I don't think I know how to answer it. Okie dokie. I think it's like, a, <laughs> I think it's just something that you just kind of persevere. You okay. Know? Like it's like LeBron James now on the Lakers. He's got a bunch of young guys yeah. who are nowhere near his level, but he has to figure out how to be a leader and make them, you know, step up. But do you ever find yourself asking, like, am I not that great or am I just with a team that isn't matched all the time? Okay. I mean, but not anymore because I'm on my I'm on my teams now. I mean, like the Bajillionaires, that's a pretty good team. Yeah. We don't ever play with each other and everybody on that team has different styles. We have so much fun. That's one of those free for all shows where we can make jokes and where we can like, you know, say certain quips and things that may not be suitable for like the Herald or something. Is there a certain point where like you get enough success that you worry less and are able to be a bit more free on stage? Yes. Okay. Uh, one talk. of my friends asked me, you get nervous before you go? I said, no, I don't get nervous anymore because I've put enough work in to know that I'm making all this stuff up Yeah. and I get to control this, control my destiny. And all I have to do is really listen hard to what my scene partner says and react honestly and truthfully to it. Did you suck at the beginning or did you always yeah. have a knack for it? How, what does sucking look like in the improv world? Just being bad at improv, like making, <laughs> like making jokes, like making stupid jokes, derailing scenes, not being there a good... There it is. That's yeah. my favorite part of any recording is when somebody bumps the mic. Yeah. I wait for it daily. Uh, not being a good listener mm-hmm. is one thing, like just kind of tr- trying to be funny. Is what when yeah. people usually suck. In okay, game, trying to be funny. When w- let's talk a little bit about character work and how you how you find your characters and how you build your characters. Where, where does the finding come from? Uh, things that I like and find kind of ridiculous at times. Like when I build, when I do, when I do Chief mm-hmm. on Comedy Bang Bang. Like I used to make. F- one, uh, what's funny is an ex of mine is the person who told me to do that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought she was funny and I would do it for my friends. Like I just thought her voice was funny, how she would announce things and how dramatic she was and stuff. I like chief because I feel like you're always trying to catch up to the character. Like you have to be thinking of different islands and uh, things that can be stolen. Like it it feels like you're working to keep up with the the scene. on. And that's what makes it fun for me. Yeah. Like just keeping it original and stuff like that. So like when I watched videos of, I used to love Carmen San Diego as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very you know, fun. Like Rockapella. Rockapella liked one of my tweets. It was uh, not one of the best days of my life, but it was a really good That's day cool. of my life. I I like, it. Every time I heard that, <laughs> yep. and I, I was just like, oh, this is it. And then she would always come in there. This swindler, this, that, like, there you know, doing that. Is. And it was just like so much fun to hear her. It's so high. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's your job, gum shoe, to find yeah. it. 
and, and just like to to hear her do that all the and, and the word gumshoe is funny and it was, yes yeah yeah so it's inherently just, that's one yeah. of the words that's just funny for the sake of fun yeah and so I I I think a lot of weird things are funny like when I do cameo mm-hmm. like. His voice, he had a a weird voice. Like which one's Cam? Larry Blackman, who sings like "Word Up." Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, was did you hope that MC Sugarbutt would actually rhyme, and then you weren't able to rhyme quick enough off the dome, as they say, or was MC Sugarbutt always supposed to be a mediocre rhyme smith? Uh, We've this is need to know information. <laughs> Hard hitting journalism. Sometimes I surprise myself when I do rhyme. So, okay, uh, not that you never but, rhyme, but it feels no. like when you start on that, there's a couple rhymes that come out and it starts to yeah. I think fall apart. I think certain times I'll because I have to find the rhyme in my. I have to find the punchline yes. in my head before and then work I backwards the from setup. there. Yep. Yeah. So if somebody asks me a question like, "Hey, what's your favorite movie?" And I look on your wall here and I see Looper. And then so I got to go, okay, I'm going to rhyme something with Looper. Yeah, what Pooper, Looper, Stooper, Looper, Grouper. Uh, yeah. And I go, Magic Johnson was a hooper. My favorite movie is Looper. Like, it and is. it's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. Like, but also, when I, when I come up with that character, that's me making fun of 80s rap. Because I watch these documentaries it's and stuff. A, it's a fertile field you're playing. In yeah. there. There's a lot to make fun of. Yeah. Like I, I watch these documentaries and these guys who are pioneers of, yeah. of yeah. the world's biggest music right now. Yes. And so they have to be respected. But, uh, but they, they t- were on the mic and they were here to say that they like yeah. <laughs> rhymes every day. Yeah, like yeah. Th- there is a bit of that in the eighties. It is that weird. Like the, and, and nowadays these guys are like older and they, and they sit down and they go, we would, we were doing something great back then. Yeah, yeah. We were, you know, I remember one time I walked into a a club and it was, the music went off. The, the disco music turned off. The record player wouldn't play and everybody was about to start rioting. And I got up on the mic and I said, a hoop-a-dop and a hoop-a-dop. And it's just like, what? Like, that's what you said? That made the crowd go, like, that's, that's so stupid. saved the like, party. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and so that to me, the idea of that is so funny. Like, yes, that that yes. they also take themselves so seriously as if they were like changing the world with these rounds. When you think about our rappers nowadays from Biggie and Tupac to Andre 3000 to Kendrick mm-hmm. Lamar nowadays, is like these guys are saying such poetic like insanely dope stuff and, and back the then, rhyming has gotten so much more complicated yes, it's yes, really yes. cool to see how and they weave like all type syllables. of wordplay Lil Wayne all that type of stuff and, yep. and then you hear those guys be like and I went tall as a giraffe short as a monkey and like it's just like what here are we you? are we're gonna get funky, funky. Yeah. <laughs> like stuff like that yeah. like and it's like oh gosh and then but then they go we were changing the world back yep, then. Yep, yep, like, yep, yep. I guess you were the world has changed yeah. for it. That's yeah. true. But there, there is a certain level of, of pretension that you shouldn't necessarily apply to all of it yeah. constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Who you listen to now in uh, hip hop? Who are you guys or gals or uh, anywhere along the gender spectrum? Yeah. Uh, currently, um, Lil Wayne's got a new album out. I love okay. Drake. Uh, I, I really like this dude, Anderson Pack, Anderson Pock. Uh, I like him. I like to do Gold Link. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, but I'm also like all over the musical spectrum too. So I listen to a lot of old school, like uh, rock and like classic rock stuff, like uh, the Eagles and Fleetwood yeah, Mac. Yeah, yeah. And I listen. I, I like those guys. Uh, I like 
country music sometimes. Which country? Not, are you talking like the stadium rock that they do now or like the old... Uh, stadium rock. Really? Yeah, like the little Florida Georgia line. You are the first stadium rock country fan that I've talked to on this show. I, this I like I like a few of the songs. Yeah, I, I'll sit and listen to it. My, me and my dad bond over country music a lot of times. So. Do, do you secretly wave American flags? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I love this country, but I don't wave the flags. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to figure out how to get it so that it's okay to wave flags and love the country without seeming like a, like a hard right. I think, I think that has changed and it's going to take some years to bring back, bring back patriotism. I want it back because my grandfather would wave American flags all summer long, including one rainbow flag. Like he'd do American flags, he'd do a historical flag, like, mm. you know, maybe our first flag or something. And then he'd do the rainbow flag yeah. for pride. And now if I were to be waving American flags outside of my apartment, that would be like a, 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 red, a signal, a, a dog whistle to, yeah, a red yeah. flag to, to other people like, Hey, I'm that kind of person. But yeah. I wish it wasn't that way. I, I wish, wish it wasn't that either. That we Cause could, I remember when I was in, when I lived in Europe for mm-hmm. a year. Yes. We were going to talk about yeah, this. What, talk about how'd you land in Europe? What, so what there's an improv theater there called Boom Chicago. Okay. And, uh, it's one of the few paying improv jobs in the world. You can say in the world because it's in a different country. Yep. But, uh, and I, I was hired to work there. And during the time that I was working there, the World Cup was on, the 2014 World Cup. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm rooting for USA. So I ordered my USA shirt, and I got a flag on my back and everything. Mm-hmm. I got a cowboy hat on, like, stereotypical, just because I want everybody in the Netherlands to know, like, I'm American. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. You feel patriotic when you leave. You do, uh, yeah. Especially back then when Obama was a president. I feel apologetic now when I leave the country that I, yeah. people, and I don't mean that sarcastically, I mean people ask, you know, what's going on over there? Yeah, and you yeah. have to, like, say, yeah, there's, I wish it's I complicated. Yeah. Um, it's not 100% of the population, but yeah. you, like you have to, you have to treat it with a little bit of that's too, I that's love too. it. Yeah. Um, so you, so you get over there for this paying job. How'd you land that one? Um, it, it's, it's a thing that most improv students know about that you okay. can audition for when they come around looking for people. Okay. And How many uh, students do they take a year? Is it? They took three my year. Are you it, kidding? It that's on, nobody. That's yeah. such a small pool. Yeah. And they had a big, pretty large audition. Uh, and I was blessed to get in and get that experience and stuff. What is it? What is the large? Is it a hundred, a 500, a thousand? Probably around 200 people audition, okay. I believe. And three get it. That's a very small percentage. Yeah, they, of... they take on a need basis and, you okay. know, because there are a lot of people who stay and continuously yeah. do it. Like, I worked with people who had been there for 20 years when I was there, so. And uh, you didn't want to tell them, like, give the next guy the slot? Uh, they don't want to hear that. Okay. <laughs> not, not really a way to endear yourself on yeah, day one. Yeah, they don't want to hear that. And they, they also, a lot of times, didn't want to hear about you wanting to leave. Yeah. Like, they want you to be there. Oh, okay, like yeah, you're in. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't mesh well with that. Because I, I knew I was out after. I was like, I'm going to do my year and I'm going home. What was the program like and what did work about it for you? Uh, it taught me how to perform in front of strange audiences. And that's one of the reasons why I don't get nervous. Sec- English as a second language audience. English as a second language audiences. It taught you to not rely on jokes and not rely on little sh- small movements and stuff like that. It taught you how to be big and physical. And you also have to give up your pop culture shit at yeah, that point. Yeah, because even the pop culture that people know about, like I would do a Kanye West impression yeah. when I was over there and people wouldn't laugh at it. It's yeah. that they didn't know who Kanye West was. They just don't base their humor off of pop culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that was always pretty tough. And... uh yeah, it's just just the loneliness of it, and uh, me not loving the job particularly. The made loneliness. It, made it, you, what, I was by myself. Yeah, 
Like I was, I mean, besides the people that I worked with, but. But you seem like a, a social enough fella that you can. Surprise. Okay. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to tell you you're yeah. wrong, but. It was, it was tough. I mean, I met, I met people. Yeah. And I, but I also just being in a foreign country and like it rains every day. It was cold. I yeah, missed yeah, my yeah. mom. I missed my yeah, brothers. Yeah, I missed, it can wear on you. That's yeah, true. It wore on me. And it, I, I also wasn't just like having a, the grandest time working there. Like yeah. it wasn't the, it wasn't the best situation for me, but it was valuable. It's like yeah. going to the army. By the end of it, were you getting the laughs? Did you find the way? I was to, getting the laughs get the first month. I didn't mean that. <laughs> How dare you? No, no. no uh, I just mean like it seems to be a completely different environment. When I, I lived in Japan for a while, and when I got there, the first six months, the first year, I am not batting a thousand by a, yeah. any measure. It's, yeah, you have to get your feet on the ground a little bit. I learned to. I would say about six months in is when the job became easy. Okay. But before that, it was tough. And then after that, there were still nights where we just didn't hit. But know? that's, isn't that always there are nights when you're doing comedy? Like that sometimes the laughs just aren't in the room. Yeah. No matter how good you are, no matter how good your material is mm-hmm. or how good your team is. Uh, you get spoiled being at UCB a lot because mm-hmm. they're so excited to see you. That, yeah. That yeah, people laugh. Yeah. So even when you have a, you know, you had a bad show. You can't get a, can like a, a more primed audience than people who are coming out to UCB. They know what yeah. they're there for yeah. and are, have been looking forward to it all week or Absolutely. all month. Yeah. Um, you want to ring a ding ding and see what we get? Uh, yeah, sure. You go. You you ring first. What was all I right. doing? How, what kind of host am I? There it is. And then all you uh, you need to do no more than pull a card out. Oh, it's card time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see what you got. This one feels good. All right. Oh, got two. What do you think? Of cultural appropriation. Ah, Ooh, boy, here was we this go. planted for me? No, it was not. <laughs> and how would you describe it to people who don't know about it? Okay, so I think cultural appropriation sucks in certain contexts. Okay. Uh, does this go back in? Uh, we'll it put out? it out here because okay. we don't want to pull the same question twice in yeah. one day. We'll put it back in after the show. So I look at cultural appropriation as uh, someone of a different culture Mm-hmm. Using somebody else's culture disrespectfully, so like Halloween costumes of samurais, okay. and, uh, Native Americans, and putting cornrows in your hair and blackface on and stuff like that. That, that that's not and that's not just cultural appropriation. That's 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 a different. Let me let me rephrase that. Cultural appropriation is like the Kardashians mm-hmm. using black women's hairstyles and body types as capital. Okay. And but like the white thirteen-year-old kid in the suburbs, only listening to to Tupac records, is that? I don't think it's cultural appropriation as long as he's not, uh, as long as he understands what Tupac had to go through. As far mm-hmm. as and if he's in the suburbs, you got a two-parent household, and he ain't got no problems in the world, and he's going out and robbing people and shooting people. Like, okay. As, as well, I think that's a pretty bad appropriation yeah yeah. (laughs) robbing and shooting i I think it's i think it's it's not respecting i I feel like i've gone down two separate uh rabbit holes with this idea of cultural appropriation but i think it's more than anything using somebody else's culture for disrespectful reasons like fashion Mm -hmm. or popularity or like um like I always go back to how black women are treated in the world. Okay. And black women are, in my opinion, some other people can have differing opinions in this, but I would like to believe, and I do believe that black women are the most 
emulated yet disrespected people on the planet. I think black people as a whole, especially American black people are the most emulated around the world because yes. hip hop culture now is, yeah. Yeah. is world culture. Hip hop culture is international culture at this point. Rap music is everywhere. Yes. Hip hop is everywhere. Uh, you, you know, you got, People, Lil Wayne can go to China and sell out a yeah. thirty thousand seat arena or whatever, fifty thousand seat arena. Like, so it's it's when when you got that happening, and people who don't understand and respect the art form mm-hmm. and and what they are, or or not even the art form, the cultural. Uh, I'll it, let's just give an example because I don't know if, if I'm explaining it correctly. Cornrows. Okay. Cornrows is something that black people were literally guys have been fired from jobs for coming in with cornrows saying that it's unprofessional. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you see a Kardashian of some or somebody on the cover of Vogue magazine. Yep. They're being like, they have uh, road braids. Yes. New fashion of 2018. Brand new. Yep, created yep, yep. by this person. That's cultural appropriation. Yeah. Because they are completely dismissing the fact that this has been a black thing for all these years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, and, and it has been disrespected. I think the the body thing is a very important cultural appropriation. Rebuilding your body to look like black women's bodies, mm-hmm. even though you don't respect black women. And you don't, and like, so like a black woman can be walking down the street in a, in a form-fitting outfit and it shows off her curves and people go, oh my gosh, she's fat. Look at her. She needs to put on more clothes. Look at her. She needs to, and they just criticize her. Yeah. Yet a Kardashian can get on there with butt implants or butt injections and stuff and people go, oh, wow, she looks so good. Yeah. She looks yeah, like, yeah. and that's appropriation. I also think like, uh, what about like Rachel Dolezal? Rachel Dolezal is, is a, a person who needs help. <laughs> okay. Let's. Uh, you know what? Scratch that question. She's yeah. so fringe and unique that it doesn't really. I don't know. It doesn't really apply to a yeah. uh, to the greater conversation, to a meaningful conversation about cultural yeah, appropriation. I think that, that's that was wrong of me. Nuanced in a negative way. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I have the mental capacity to tackle. And this is why we over-record, so I can take out this little segment. You don't have and to. You it'll can leave this okay. in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of that, but. Uh, Somebody else is more equipped. You'll get yeah, somebody on the yeah, show that's yeah, more equipped yeah, to talk yeah. about Rayla Shadolajal than I am. But uh, what she's doing is bad. Uh, and I don't like the way she treats her son. <laughs> uh, he wants her to stop so bad. And it's sad <laughs> that yeah. she won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I think when the well, way that black people are treated for our culture and yet it is used. Let's, let's talk about, uh, once again, uh, the way that black women are emulated. Yes. So like things like Yas Queen and Bye Felicia and yep, yep, Work yep, and yep, yep. This Ain't It and all these terms that are being thrown around and used as memes on Twitter by people who don't respect the people that they come from. Mm-hmm. And so like a person will tweet like, yes, bitch, work. Like you are, you are giving me life. Drag me this, all this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then clinch their purse when they get in the elevator with a black man. Yes. Yes. That's cultural appropriation to me. Like, and it's like, you're not respecting where it comes from. You're not respecting, uh, cornrows have been around in our culture since Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm agreeing with you. Like, I know what I'm talking about. I do not know what I'm yeah. talking about. Sorry about that. That was a little, no, no, no. It's, jumped yeah. on that. Yeah. A little too hard. Baby. Yeah, you, you are, it's totally fine. Yeah. I, I think cultural appropriation is very hard to explain by me, but it's, yeah. it's the use of somebody else's culture, uh, that 
for for personal gain and profit and and also a culture that you are not respecting that you are not uh we have so we still are criticized so much for what we do as people Mm -hmm. and yet we are such culture motivators culture innovators cultural innovators that's one of the things is there is this kind of like monolithic coolness in the african-american community like the music is really good Mm -hmm. the slang is really vibrant really alive so the desire to be a part of that like you can understand why folks would want to appropriate yeah. the the best parts of it. What do you, how do you suppose we could do like, that's the, the, the better side of the coin. How do you suppose we could do better? Not in the appropriation, but in the respect showing, like, how can we, man, I wish I had the answer to that. You know, I, I think people should just be rewarded for stuff. For example, there's a clothing designer uh, that came out of uh, Harlem, New York named Dapper Dan. Mm-hmm. What Dapper Dan did in the 80s was take fabrics, faux fabrics of like Gucci and Louis Vuitton and stuff like that and make and add them to streetwear. Mm-hmm. So like black people in the hood could feel like they were really doing something. He was sued by these companies mm-hmm. for doing this and also criticized for it. Like people said it looked ghetto. People said it didn't like uh, it wasn't what Gucci represented. It wasn't what Louis represented. Cut to now Gucci has track suits. Gucci has things that Louis has, you know, putting this on Air Force Ones and belts and things. And it's just like, he invented that. Yeah. So instead of suing him or instead, like, how about just you hire give him, him that money back? Yeah. Hire him to design your stuff. Hire him, work with him. Like, that helps. Because it's what you want and he already did it well. So yes. why not open the, the, the doors? Yes, absolutely. And it, it, it's, it's stuff like that that I feel like okay. could ease it. Like, and, you know, Gucci did just hire a, a black designer like their head of design or something right now is, is a black African clothing designer. So that's really cool. That it, it, it is, but is if it's like, if, if it's news that Gucci hired a black designer, mm-hmm. then we're still not Where in a good place. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. That's, that shouldn't be uh, an interesting nugget of, uh, it shouldn't be a fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. That should be like, Oh yeah. Well, of course, because, that's what who cares <laughs> yeah yeah it should be but yeah that, that cultural appropriation thing is is hard and uh there like i said there are people who are more equipped to talk about it okay. than I am. but i do recognize what it is and recognize and i don't know how to mend it i don't yeah, know if, yeah. if if i just think as long as as long as black kids are being labeled thugs for having cornrows mm-hmm. then white kids shouldn't put them in their hair yeah yeah like until we normalize ghetto names until a woman named Laquisha's resume is not thrown in the trash. Yes. yes, Even though she is uh, more than capable and and qualified to do that job, then we shouldn't be on Twitter saying, yes, bitch, drag me, do that. Like we shouldn't be doing that. You you don't, you don't get the cake until you've had your meal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That was the weakest thing in the history of the fishbowl, but let's (laughs) see what we got. You pressed it too hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the name of the show is <laughs> you pressed it, too, <laughs> you pressed hard. it too hard. All right. Solutions. Judging from the news and the way people talk, the end days are nigh. I say fooey. Let's talk about what's wrong and how we can fix it. What solutions would you like to put on this table right now? I think people need to read more. Okay. And I think we need to uh, eliminate biased news. And uh, I think we could go so far as just turn off the damn TV. Yeah. There's not, get off of Twitter. Get off of Twitter. But also, I think I think you need to, I think 
don't fully get off of Twitter. Just let's eliminate hate speech. People okay. shouldn't be allowed to perpetuate these ideas. Yes. Uh, on on online, and I think it's so amazing to me the the delusional people who uh, who think voting against their own personal interest. I just because they hate. Don't so understand much. how that happens. Yeah. I really don't. So you have so much hate in your heart that you're going to screw yourself. Yeah. You do realize? Can you cuss on this show? You are allowed to. <laughs> Bearing in mind that the, our biggest fan is my sister, and she is a pastor. So please, okay, uh, forgive me to your sister. Uh, your sister is seems like a great person, so I will not cuss. You may, you uh, may. <laughs> she's cool. She won't. These fat people who need this medicine. Who need to be in in medical care and hospital and stuff like that are voting against that, and they don't have any money. Like yes, the idea the the idea of, of white privilege, and that doesn't mean like when I say that, that doesn't mean I'm saying that white people don't have struggles too. But I'm yeah. saying none of your struggles ever come from the color of your skin, you know. Meanwhile, yes, yes, yes. So yes. many of I, so many of mine absolutely do, and I'm not struggling. Like, you know, and, uh, and yet I still have so many struggles. Yes. I just got pulled over the other day. I uh, think was Paul F. Tompkins retweeting on he that did. one. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was I following that the, whole uh, thread that, that was, it was. Yeah. And it was no, and then people were still in there justifying this cop's behavior. Also people who are fans of comedy bang bang were in there justifying the cop's uh, behavior. I, I said, don't, what? I, no, no, no. I don't understand why people can't just be like, yeah, maybe somebody's racist on this planet. They refuse to admit that that exists, even yeah. though they are the ones who it is. But see in their minds, they think that they are so superior that no racism. If you're not a member of the Ku Klux Klan burning crosses on people's lawns, yes. then you're not a racist. Everything else, everything that happens to black people is their own fault. You don't have to be a white supremacist to benefit from white supremacy. Yeah. And you should really learn what it means to benefit from like, learn where the needle is yeah. and what, what your life is actually life like because of white supremacy. And again, you're, I'm not saying that you don't have any struggles. Like yeah, nobody's yeah, saying yeah. That. And I shouldn't even have to say that because that's coddling apart. Yeah. That's making you feel comfortable when I don't get the option to feel comfortable. Yes. So like it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's little stuff like that white woman who threatened to call the cops on the little black kid that she said grabbed her butt when the video clearly showed his backpack grazed her butt. Yeah. And he was, and then she's like, well, like, she still won't admit that she was wrong about it, even though the video evidence shows it. And also, and also his mom was getting so aggressive with me. Yes, you just threatened to call the cops on a nine-year-old kid. Yeah. Like, that's traumatizing. Yeah. So yeah. If, if I was his mother, I would be yelling at you, too. I would Especially throw you in the lettuce pile. knowing that in any nine-year-old child's mind, cops are more associated with shooting black people than anything yeah. else yeah. in the world right now. And also, like that, yeah, if it was a young white kid who had done it, mm -hmm. she probably would have just reprimanded the kid. Non-issue. Like, even if she had said, hey, don't do that. Like, yeah. that probably would have been it. Like, and then yeah. if he'd have been like, I'm sorry, I didn't do, I didn't, I just bumped you on backpack. She'd be like, oh, okay. But no, you wanted to make this nine-year-old kid out to be some sexual predator. And, and even if she did call the cops on a white child, the chances of that white child be having a gun pulled on him. Yeah. Yes. Are are so much slimmer that it's not even worth discussing yeah. the the anyway. Yeah, we're, I, we're talking in circles about stuff we both know clearly at yeah. this point. <laughs> I don't have any solutions to to what's going on right now. I just think people just need to be more informed and maybe just like stop being so they like the 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 right calls us snowflakes, but mm -hmm. they are just as sensitive. You can't say anything to them without like you if you mention the other day I was talking about baseball. 
Mm-hmm. Boston Red Sox are currently going to the World Series, and they're going to play against either the during the time of this recording, the game hasn't started yet, either the Dodgers or the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm hoping it's the Dodgers. I'm a Dodger fan. Okay. The city of Boston and its sports teams and fans have a long history of racial tensions and drunkenness and just bad. You know, football players go there. They say the fans say the worst things to me in Boston. Basketball players say I stand on the sideline taking the ball out to hear tons of N-words, like stuff like that. Yeah. Boston people never want to admit that this is a part of there. But yeah, the other day, yeah. I, all I said was I don't like Boston sports, but I do I do want the Red Sox to win because I'm still bitter about last year's loss in the World Series to Houston. So I'm glad Houston lost. They're not. Good. Yeah. And this dude, You're talking way over my head right now. I don't yeah. know what teams or uh, what cities. Or, Houston Astros versus the L.A. Dodgers was the World mm-hmm. Series last year. Okay. And the L.A. You. Dodgers lost. And I'm a Dodger fan. So I was bitter about that. But mm-hmm. this year in the in the series of games before the World Series the Boston Red Sox were playing against the Houston Astros and they beat them. So they're going. Okay. And I was like, you know, I actually root for Boston. I don't mind Boston's baseball. I don't like the Celtics, who is their basketball team. And I don't like the Patriots, who's their football team. See, now you're just trying to confuse me. I'm not. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, and Sorry, this guy, you're going to have trouble finding someone more ignorant of sports than me in, in California. California. A lot of people are. But uh, anyway, this guy responds to it. And goes, oh, because you clearly so m- know so much about Boston, your opinion is really valid. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you were triggered by my talk about baseball, sir. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And he comes back and goes, well, I just thought you were equating it to what people mostly say about Boston sports, that we're racist drunks. But what you need to be worried about is the Nazis on your doorstep in the O.C., and I go, sir, that that's escalation from yeah. talking about sports yeah, and which exactly team you're hoping wins to and I'm like, Nazis on the doorstep. Yeah. And I'm like, sir, I don't know what you're talking about. I played dumb. <laughs> I yeah, don't know yeah. what you're talking about. That's not what I was talking about. I was talking about baseball. Do you like every other baseball team? Am I not allowed to criticize a baseball team? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I guess I'm fueling this. I'm like, yeah, you are. Yes. Because, you know, and so like, don't, and that's the same type of person who will call liberals snowflakes. Yes. And it's like, you clearly were triggered by me talking about baseball. Yeah, yeah. Here are two solutions I'd like to put on the table. I hope I can remember both of them. I feel like I'm ahead of myself already. Number Mm -hmm. one is I wish we could take all this aggression about, um, about pride of ourselves and put it into sports, like just have a fun game where we can uh, be like, yeah, I want the, yeah. the the Raiders to win and that's going to be, and I'm going to cheer for them. And if they win, I'm going to be sour for a couple of hours and then that, yeah. we'll move on. But we seem to have taken that that uh, that friendly competition and t- turned it into unfriendly competition in every aspect of every part of our lives. Yeah. People and think they play for the team. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish we could just have fun and have it be in sports, this like the mm-hmm. um, the tribalism. Yeah. If we could confine, confine it to, to sports, that would be very nice. Yeah. Um, the other one is forgotten long gone. So uh, if it comes oh. back, you'll <laughs> yeah. know it. I, I, I got ahead of myself saying there were two. Let me know. I will. Is it bell time? It is. Yes. Please choose a good one or I'll express disappointment. <laughs> what have you got? Good. Nice handwriting. If you were a Starbucks drink, what would you be? Oh, it's one of those sexy dating game questions. Yeah. So Carl, one. if you were a Starbucks drink. <laughs> Bachelor number one. Ooh, that sounds nice. If I was a... Drink. I don't know, but I'd go down smooth. <laughs> yeah. Dork to dork. I would be a... Uh, I would be a chocolate... A hot chocolate uh, latte with 
extra sugar because I'm sweet and uh, large. I would be a, a grande a, or a venti. A venti. Okay. Vent double espresso because I'm real chocolate. All right, ladies, you heard our two answers. Call in and see which eligible bachelor yeah. <laughs> that you would rather spend time with. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ding better. I'm not happy with my dings. There, there we go. go. That one's that one's beautiful. I like the the efficient questions. What villain would you like to be and why? Um, You'd be a good villain. You like could, superhero. See, I'm ignorant to the superhero. Superhero stuff. animation. Uh, I what villain would I like to be? But you you I don't know. Don't take this the wrong way. I think you could choose scenery well as a, a nefarious ne'er do well. You don't yeah. think so? I like to be Magneto. That's interesting. Because I feel like Magneto was fighting for like, he was like, we're being treated badly. Yeah, you'd be fine. You, that would yeah. be a really good take on Magneto. Uh, yeah. Scrap <laughs> my ignorance. Let's Apparently, keep... he was designed after Malcolm X. Magneto? Yeah. Really? And, and, and put into a concentration camp. And Professor X was designed after Martin Luther King. You're kidding. Yeah. I heard the same thing about Bert and Ernie. Yeah. That's not true. That was just a, hilarious. I was, <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be Magneto. By any means necessary, we got to give respect for ourselves as mutants. That's a good call. That's yeah. a really good answer. I, you, you're, you're, you're cool. You're on, you're welcome back anytime now. What do you got? Uh, got a short one. If Excellent. money wasn't an issue, where would you live? Ooh. Would you leave LA? No, I wouldn't. Okay. I would not. If money wasn't an issue, I would live uh, in like Calabasas area Okay. with like a huge house. Actually, no. If money's not an issue, I want to go to a place where it rains a little bit more because I like a, a bit of a mixed weather. Fair enough. So if money wasn't an issue, I'd move somewhere a little bit more southern United States, more tropical, and just have a really big, crazy house. Awesome. And you'd... Fly your buddies out every now yeah, and then? Yeah, fly or? out or meet friends there or, you know, come out here for work and stuff like that. If money was not any issue whatsoever, how boss would it be if you would do like a bajillionaire's show down in your ranch? See, but you'd fly that. out the whole audience. Fly out the whole Buy the <laughs> 750 ticket and you'd fly us out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? If, if money wasn't an issue, I would tear down houses in Hancock Park and build mm-hmm. my own like McMansion. Okay. Yeah. So I would like to stay in LA. I like LA. How much do you know about LA? Why isn't there more low income housing here? It feels like there's plenty of space to build. Is it just a bureaucratic? I got the same question. I wish I could tell you. I'm sure it's something bureaucratic. I'm sure it's something that, you know, there's so many rich areas in, in around here. They don't want low income housing near them. Yeah. They don't want freeways, better access to better transportation. They don't want more buses. They don't want more subways. It's so much stuff going on with the, infrastructure of this city it's a complicated project this is not an easy city to be the the urban developer for at all no but there is so much space like you drive you drive 30 miles out of la and it's just wide open desert as soon as you get out of the city there's nothing yeah it's weird it's so weird i don't i can't i can't i just can't dope it (laughs) as they said in the 30s let's do a couple more and then we'll wind down How do you define success? Oh, that's a nice one. That might, might be a good one to write out on. How yeah. do you define success? I define success as finding uh, finding your inner peace and happiness as best you can and being surrounded by loved ones. And this is just my definition. It doesn't have to be anybody else's. Being surrounded by loved ones, not needing anything. You can always want but not needing. 
Okay. And, and, and that doesn't mean you just got a ton of money to buy everything you want and need. No, no, no. It just means you don't need anything. Yeah. It's like, I may not have the most money, but I don't need anything right now. Yeah. yeah. Waking up in a day, me defining success is waking up in the morning time, not having to go to work, turning on my favorite TV show, making some pancakes, going outside, mowing my lawn and getting ready for the football game, come back inside, taking a hot shower while my AC blast in my house and getting in my car and driving, going to meet my friends. Okay. And hanging out. Did you, when did you feel like you hit success? I still ha- don't feel like that. Are you kidding? Yeah. There are, I've talked to more than one person who looks at you and says like that. I think he's crossed the threshold. He's one that should be called successful. I, I have, I am still working. Okay. I still got a long way to go. I still, if I want to reach, if I want to be great status, I still yeah. got a hell of a long way to go and a hell of a lot more to learn. A hell of a lot more mistakes to make. A hell of a lot more failures. Uh, but I, I am proud of where I am currently at my age and the work that I put in. And time has gone by fast because I just think about back when I was 21, 22, 23, I thought where I'm at right now would never happen. Yeah. And yeah. it is happening. And there are a lot of people who look at people in your, in your stratosphere, in your strata yeah. and think like, that's never going to, I can't, how far yeah. away is that for me? How far away is that? And you don't yeah. think about time in the past. You think about time oh, yeah, in the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah. You're looking up the ladder all yeah. the time. Never down. Never down the ladder. So I literally am here talking to you mm-hmm. and I got to go to work on Monday at a job that's great that in, in my car that I just got and I have a, a roof over my head and I got nice shoes that I like to buy and I got mm-hmm. nice clothes that I like to buy. You're writing. Mm-hmm. Is that is that correct that you're a writer on a show? Or I'm you're... a writer on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. That is not a bad one to be a writer It's not a bad on. one to be a writer on. But also, I'm a low-level writer. So yeah. you can always look at like, the negative things and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. But like, I, it, it, the grass is always greener type situation. Always looking up the ladder. Yeah. So it, and, and maybe looking up the ladder helps people walk up that ladder. Oh yeah. Yeah. But also remember, don't like, don't set goals for yourself. Don't set, don't set goals. For <laughs> don't set time limits for yourself. Yeah. 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 Like, cause you, if you, if you say I'm gonna go to LA and I'm only gonna stay for five years, you're not gonna make it. Yeah. yeah That's gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. You're gonna go back home and you're gonna say LA sucks. Yep. LA sucks because it didn't give you what you wanted because you felt entitled. That's so weird to think that you don't, you don't feel like you've crossed that threshold yet. No, I'm like I said, I am. I'm glad you feel that way. It makes me, it makes me excited for what you still have to cook up because I like what you're cooking now so much. Still got a lot more to, I got a lot more to cook. I got a lot of groceries in this refrigerator and they're going to go bad if I don't use them. Well, let's, let's get you off this podcast and back to making those mistakes so you can uh, get through them as quick as possible. Absolutely. (laughs) We got some ride out music. Um, Let's get into that and then we'll get out of here. Sweet. This has been the Hollywood Fishbowl and I've been your host, Jesse Kester. I will continue to be Jesse Kester as long as I live. If you like what you heard, you can find us at hollywoodfishbowl.com. Also, we're on Twitter and Instagram at HWFishbowl. But it's not about us. It's about our guest, Carl mm-hmm. Tart, the second. Did I get that right? Yeah. Where can people find you? Uh, follow me online at Damn It Carl. That's Instagram and Twitter. D A M M I T C A R L. And 
please be kind, and I will be kind to you. Now, we've only got 30 seconds left. Is there a short story on why you landed on Damn It, Carl? Uh, teacher. Teacher's getting upset with me about being a goofball. Okay. And saying, Damn It, Carl. Every time I see it, I, I hear it in your voice, and I <laughs> wonder if it's you abusing yourself. No. Okay, good. <laughs> Glad we could clear that up. And, uh... 14 seconds left. I would like to say a sincere goodbye. Goodbye. Jesse, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. It it, it was a blast. Great.